Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. Our, our, not our text, but our intro to our sermon. This is the intro. This doesn't count. Um, is First Samuel, First Samuel, chapter seventeen. And the first sermon I preached in this building came from the text of David and Goliath. And it really didn't involve David that much. It actually involved Saul and the Israelites and Goliath. And the text reads like this in verse two through three. It says, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines occupied one hill, the Philistines over here, and the Israelites another. They're over here with the valley between them. The valley of Elah is between them, right? And verse 16 says this, for 40 days, the Philistine, talking about Goliath, came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Here's what happened bless you. Um, here's what happened, is that while they are, are camping out, like the Israelites and Saul are camping out, uh, Samson, um, Goliath comes out, and he comes and he terrifies the Israelites. Now, the first Sunday I was here, I had this big tent. Some of you guys remember, not big tent, but I had a tent up on stage. If you were here, you probably remember. And I talked about what Saul and the Israelites decided to do was they just had a camp out for 40 days, Right? They're sitting here, and what does a tent do? It keeps you out of the elements. It keeps the wind off of you in a better sense. It keeps the rain off of you, hopefully. Um, keeps the bugs away. It kind of keeps you safer. It protects you. It, it keeps you from harm and lets you kind of have refuge in a hiding place. And this is what the Israelites did for 40 days. They had a camp out where some guy came out and told them scary ghost stories every evening, and they went back in their tent, and they're like, oh, that's so scary, right? That's what happened, right? They're like, they ran back to their tent and zipped it up, and like, oh, my gosh, did you see how big he is, right? Like, that's what, and these are grown men. These are warriors that are trained to fight, and I challenged you at that point, that first Sunday, to not be Saul. Because God did not create and make Saul the king of Israel to stay in a tent. He destined him for more than that. And, and, and God has created us as a church not to play it safe as a church, 
but to get out and make a difference and to be a church where lost people are welcomed and messes are welcome to come in this place and for us to be found people that are finding people, we're serving people and we're making a difference and we're not playing it safe, but we're going for broke, right? We're just playing and living this life in a big way. And so Foundation Church for 12 years, as your pastor, I wanna say thank you for being that church. Thank you for getting out of your tent and making a difference, making an impact. Man, we're seeing people's lives change forever in the middle of a pandemic. That doesn't just happen by chance. That happens because a church is mobilized and you realize God has a calling on you and you're passionate about making a difference. For the last 12 years, it has been the greatest privilege of my life to be your pastor. I know it sounds like I'm resigning right now. I'm not, you're stuck with me. Um, but I just want to say, man, I love what I get to do. I love that I get to be the pastor of this church, and I love what all has happened in the last 12 years. So kudos to you guys. Kudos to what has happened. Praise God that he has used a bunch of ragamuffins, a bunch of mess-ups and screw-ups, and some of you, you have it together. Like You're like, that's not me. You're the one that has it together, okay? Um, to make a difference right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and to the ends of the earth. But here's what I would tell you is that this whole theme, we're just getting started when it comes to our building pledge. and all, it, It's true. We're, we're just getting started. We're 12 years in, and I feel like we're just getting traction as a church, if that makes sense. Like, we're 12 years in, and I am more excited about where our church is now and where we're going than where we've come from. And that's crazy. Like, that, that doesn't happen. Usually, we put it on cruise control at this point. And so when you came in, you got a can of Copenhagen, I mean, you got a can of dirt. Um, kids, if you want to freak your parents out, just put it in here at all times and be like, look, mom, um, what's the ring in your pants from? From my dirt, from church. Anyways, um, <laughs> you never know. Um, but, but here's why we gave you this can of dirt. It, it comes from the idea of the movie Private Ryan. When, when the movie Private Ryan is going at the beginning when they storm the beach of Normandy. If you've never seen uh, Saving Private Ryan, you need to go home and watch it immediately. Um, but they, they, they go home and there's a sergeant that when they take the beach of Normandy, he grabs one of these cans, something like this, and he pours dirt in it and he puts the lid back on and he writes Normandy on it or France, something like that. And, and he, he wants to remember all that it took all the sacrifice that was made to take that ground, to take that beach, to take that land. And we have talked about for the last probably two months, some of you are probably like, okay, we get it, we bought some land, we're building a building, I get it, move along, Justin. But I, I want you to understand, if you have not heard, we have bought seven and a half acres at 71st and 129th, right on the corner lot, southeast corner lot of 71st and 129th. In fact, we have a sign there now that says future home of Foundation Church with a building, like, not the building's not there, with a building on the sign. Like some of you are like, that was fast. Um, um, with, with a built picture of the building there. I didn't even know we had it until uh, Jarrett Hartwick like drove by the other day. It was like, look. Um, and I love where we're going, but I want us to understand we gave you dirt from that property because as a church, we are taking new ground. We are not hitting the brakes. We're not putting it on cruise control. We're not playing it safe. But we're like, man, this is go time. 
This is the time we continue to go after what God has called us to go after as a church. And I want us to understand today that when it comes to taking new ground, taking new ground requires faith over fear. Taking new ground, if this is something that we are going to be about as a church, not as a pastor, but as a church, this is going to require all of us, you at home watching online, for us to take new ground, it means that we have to be people full of faith instead of people full of fear. Well, Justin, it's such an uncertain time. Justin, we just don't know what's gonna, elections coming up. Can I tell you, we started Foundations Church in 2008, in the middle of a financial recession. You don't do that. Like, you just don't do that, right? So why wouldn't we buy land in the middle of a pandemic, right? It just makes sense. It's on par for course, as Foundation Church, right? That's just what we do. We do stuff that you're like, really? Really? Watch this. Like, hold my, I say something else, but hold my Kool-Aid and let's go, right? <laughs> Anyways. Copenhagen and Kool-Aid. Um, anyways, but taking new ground for, for us to be a church that, is, that isn't just going to settle, but we step into who God is calling us to be as a body of Christ, it means it takes faith and not fear. I've been married to Casey. We celebrated two, 22 years of marriage last weekend. And um, why, yeah, yeah, so... All that applause goes to Casey for putting up with me. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. But there is, is one thing that we still kind of, not fight, but we argue over. And um, it, it, it's simply this. When we got married, we had a queen-size bed. Me, me fitting in a queen-size bed with, an, with, with my wife is like Buddy the Elf on, you know, Elf. Like, literally, I'm like, what? What's going on? How many of you are cuddlers with your wife, like your spouse? You guys cuddle when you sleep. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Um, you're all alone. Um, <laughs> like, my wife, she can't touch me. Like, I, I instantly get hot. We've moved to a king-size bed now. But I'm like, you can't touch. Like, I start burning up. I'm like, it's like she's sending me a signal. You know what I'm saying? Like, if she comes, I'm like, okay. Um, but, so we put... Most inappropriate sermon 12 years in. Copenhagen, Kool-Aid, and sex. Um, that's what the title should have been. We wouldn't have had room in this building for it. <laughs> we wouldn't have had room. Like, I'm going to that church. Um, how did we get here? <laughs> how? Uh-oh. My wife's armpits are sweating right now. Um, and so we're, we're 22 years in, and I still hold this argument. I'm like, Casey, you aren't even, I am twice your size. I should get more of the bed, Chad Craig. I should get more of the bed, because I'm twice as, you don't need half the bed. You're tiny, sleeping, sleeping with the dwarf, right? Like, I'm like, you're tiny. Like, like. It makes no sense that you would have all that space that you're not even using when I, I need it, right? And so, so she's like, no. And so I like, before we go to bed, I'm usually like in the middle and she's like, scoot over, you're on my side. So here's what has happened. And I've, I've really struggled with confessing this because it's been going on for 22 years. For 22 years, when my wife gets up in the middle of the night, I scoot her pillow over. 
I do. I really do. I'm like, this is my moment, right? Like I just move it and I scoot all my stuff over and I act like I'm asleep. I'm like, oh. It's like when the baby cries in the middle of the night, you're like, I didn't hear a thing, babe. Like you did. You did, but I scoot her stuff over because it takes faith over fear to take new ground, right? Like, I mean, that's just what, that's what it is. And, and, and here's what I would tell you. 22 years in, I may need to sleep at somebody else's house tonight. Um, but that's where we're at, right? As a church, that's where we're at. And in Joshua chapter 3, the Israelites are facing a new challenge that they had never faced before. Joshua is the new leader, the the new appointed leader by God. And in Joshua chapter three, verse five through eight, and then we're gonna jump to verse 14 through 17. It says this, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Verse 14 says this, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks, which means it's flooding. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zerathan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Here's what I want us to understand is what I love is that the priests being willing to be people full of faith rather than fear to take unknown steps in a flooded river let, didn't just affect the priest's life and the priest's family, it affected a whole nation. And, and, and this is a point in place where they are having to enter in and to do something they had never seen done before. It's a new leader, it's a new challenge. They're going from a place of wandering the wilderness for 40 years to stepping into the promised land that God has for them. And many times what I have found is that for for some of us, it's easy for us to wander in our mediocrity than to take the step of faith into our destiny. And as a church, if we're not careful, we can wander and stay unknowingly in the wilderness that God has not called us to stay in instead of taking steps of faith, taking steps of courage, taking steps of strength, taking steps of belief into where God is calling us to be. In, in, In Joshua chapter one, the first nine verses, three separate times, God tells Joshua this. He says, be strong and courageous. Be strong in three separate times in nine verses. God is trying to tell Joshua something in that moment. 
that it's going to be, it's going to take you being strong and courageous instead of afraid and fearful to go take hold of all that I have for you, for you to answer my call, my purpose, my will for you. And foundations true, what is true for the Israelites way back then is true for us today. They're, we're at a new place, we're at a new challenge, and it is exciting to be a part of all that God is doing in this place. But we are not gonna take new ground by operating out of fear and being afraid of, the step, of stepping into the unknown. If we're going to take new ground as a church, we have to take steps of, uh, of faith, of courage, and being strong. I love all that God has done in this place. I, I do. I love all that God has done and the lives that have been changed. And I love our past and I love 12 years in, we get to celebrate our history and all the life change and all the different ministries that have been birthed from this place. But can I tell you, we truly are just getting started as a church. And as much as I wanna celebrate our past and our past history, I am more focused on us continuing to make history as a church, us continuing to step into where God is calling us to go. And if we're gonna take new ground as a church, as a body of Christ, if we're gonna see the things of God come about, we have to make sure that in a time of uncertainty and in a time of fear and paranoia, we take new ground by taking steps of faith over fear. We take, we take new ground by being strong and courageous instead of timid and fearful. Because here's what I want to leave us with today. And this is our beginning of the end. It's this, and it's just true. If we begin to take steps of obedience, the miraculous ends up happening. If we begin to take steps of obedience. Not steps that we feel like, right? Not steps that look good to us, but steps that God is calling us and ordaining us to take, then the miraculous ends up happening. Psalms 37 verse 23 says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of their lives. And the Lord delights in the details of our life. I love that part. He, he knows what step he's asking you to take, what step he's asking me to take, and as a whole, as a body of Christ, what step he's asking Foundations Church to take. And I love that it says he, he, he enjoys, he delights in every detail of their lives. When the Israelites get ready to cross over the, the Jordan River, it's a flood stage, this type of miracle had never happened. Yes, they'd seen Moses, you know, be used to part the Red Sea. They've seen the different plagues and heard of it and all this thing. But, but this, was a new, this was a new stage. This was going from the wilderness to actually going to a new home, a new place. And, and what I love is that, that the Israelite priest actually had to step in the Jordan River while there's water in it. Right, the Jordan River didn't dry up and then the priests go in it. They had to take steps of obedience why it still seemed overwhelming, why it was still at flood level, why it was still at that stage. The priests took steps of obedience to step into where God was directing them and when they became obedient, what happened, the miraculous occurred. And most of the time, what I have seen happen in the word of God and in my life and in other people's lives is that the miraculous follows the obedience. It doesn't go the other way. I wish it did because it would be a whole lot easier to be obedient if you saw the miracle first, right? 
Like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm in God. Like, you made, that's not how it works. That's not how it happens. And because these priests and because Joshua was obedient to step into the Jordan River when it felt overwhelming, God did the miraculous and he parted the waters. And I'm telling you, God wants to do the same thing here, Foundation Church. He wants to do the miraculous. And he's already done it because we've been people that are willing to take steps of obedience. And this is our next step. This isn't our final step. What I love about the miracle of Jordan is that the miracle of the Jordan River led to the miracle at Jericho, right? Just a few days, few chapters later, it leads to the miracle of Jericho that in, in, in Joshua chapter six, they go to Jericho and they're asked to take seven days of steps of obedience around the city of Jericho to march, right? You know the story I know, and on the seventh day, the walls come trembling down. Why? Because the miraculous always follows the steps of obedience. It talks about this in 1 Kings chapter 17, the widow of Zarephath. She comes and she's got a whole strategy for this COVID-19. She doesn't have any more money. She doesn't have any more groceries. It really wasn't COVID-19, but um, she's got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and her strategy is to make a cake, give it to her and her son, and then die. That's it. Like, there's no way for her to do it. And Elijah the prophet says, hey, listen, I am here. The Lord has sent me to you. If you will give me your oil and flour, if you will make me a cake first, right, with yellow cake and chocolate, if you will make me something first, your flour won't be used up and your oil won't run dry. The obedience preceded the miraculous Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman goes to Elisha to find this miracle because he knows if I can get into the presence of Elisha, I can be healed of my leprosy. Elisha doesn't even come out. He says, go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman gets mad. He's like, how could he not even come this way? I've traveled this far. Why wouldn't he even come talk to me? And yet Naaman almost misses out on the miraculous because he gets upset because it doesn't happen the way he thought it would. But Naaman reluctantly goes and dunks himself, not six times, not five times, but seven times. And on the seventh time, seventh time he comes up and the miraculous occurred. We know the story of Exodus, right? We know the Exodus that happened out of Egypt. But what had to occur for that miracle to happen is that Moses had to be obedient to going back to a place he had left and wanted to forget. The, the, miraculous, the miraculous exodus out of Egypt would never have occurred, occurred if Moses wasn't willing to be strong and courageous and take a step of obedience that led to the miraculous. Moses didn't even know how it was all going to play out. God did not say, this is going to be the first plague, the second plague, the third plague, the fourth. No, he just said, go to Egypt, and then we'll pick it up from there. Moses took his next step of obedience in Matthew chapter 14. It talks about the kid with the fish fillet sandwich, right? He's got a few fish and a few loaves, and there's thousands and thousands of people to feed. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey, find some food for all these people. And the, 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 the disciples are stressed out, and they're like, what? And somebody sees this kid with a few fish sticks and like rolls, and they're like, come on, you know, and they're like, this is all we found. And yet that kid gave over his launch to somebody who could do infinitely above and beyond what he could ever think or imagine in his wildest dreams because he was willing 
to be obedient. And when they were willing to be obedient, the miraculous happened. Can I tell you what I love about these stories is that most of these stories involves ordinary people that the miraculous occurred through. Right? We think we've got to be this millionaire. We think we've got to be this. We've got to be this huge person of faith. But no, 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 no. Most of the time, God used ordinary people to see the miraculous occur. And that's what I believe God wants to see yet again right here in Foundations Church. That at this point, at this stage, it's not about zipping up the tent and getting back in and playing it safe and hiding out because God did not create Foundations Church to put it on cruise control. God did not create Foundation Church to put it on coast, but man, we are called to be ordinary people that are willing to be strong and courageous to take the next step of obedience so the miraculous can happen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.